In a world where heresy blankets the airwaves, religious stuffed shirts suck the life out of Sunday morning, and prosperity teachers rob grandmothers of their pensions, three unassuming ministers endeavor to shine the light of biblical theology and put the fun back in fundamentalism. Broadcasting live from the Hall of Dogma... Brought to you this week by Rechargeable Batteries. Welcome into episode 48 of The Gospel Friends. I am David, a.k.a. Reverend Verbage. No. Yes. Veto. You can't. What? No. What is that? 48? Yes. See, I, you will never figure out the path back to this because I had to go into my vast knowledge of chemistry to, to uh, pull this one out. You had but, to go to your iPhone and hit... No, dear Siri, you don't know tell that. me a fun yeah, fact about atomic element number forty-eight. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant, Chase. You, However, you did you and cadmium is a key component in rechargeable batteries. Exactly. There you go. Well, it, it makes total. So sense you and to I, me. you and I are together well, I mean, using our vast knowledge. As of chemistry. soon as I heard it, I was like, "Well, of course, he's thinking of cadmium." Next week, Nick, I'll do something out of one of those pull-apart coloring books, like Doctor Seuss or something. And then you'll get the reference. <laughs> That was that was good. That was funny. All right, coming remember, up on episode forty-eight. Remember how much medical death. knowledge I have about the two of you in outtakes right now. Oh wow! Hey, listen, you, neither we one did of talk neither about one some of bad you medical stuff. Neither one of you have even introduced yourself. This is where you do that. Uh, oh yeah, I'm Chase, and palladium is element number forty-six. Also off the top of my head. Don't look at my screen. Nick, I am Nick, and waiting for the show to start. Okay, well, we it started. started. It's on. Hey, by the way, we don't play up our superhero aliases anymore very much. No, we don't. And we, we should do we that do more. We do not give shout-outs to people in the Hall of Dogma based on their identities nearly as much either. Yeah. That we is need a to, problem. We need to go back to that. It is. We're a little too serious, and I'm worried about the show kind of going in a too serious direction. All right. By episode 52, Tellarium, we need to get that figured out. I'm not sure anyone has ever um, accused us of being too serious. I, I just That was did. my point of confusion. We need At some what humor point did we go to Hizzy okay. tonight? Speaking of uh, superhero he aliases, Hizzy. Okay. Nathan Martin does need one. What would we call Nathan? He needs a superhero something, alter something ego. PayPal the big bucks, Kingpin. The uh, Nathan Kingpin, the, the, the benefactor. The um, well, the benefactor is pretty good. Kingpin is my nomination. What the is benefactor his, is yours? What is what he would bank? Oh, the bankroll, bankroll Martin. But well, but bankroll. That's a good. But what's the superpower that he has? Copious amounts of money that yes. he hands out for money to make out things of his happen. Fingertips. to make things happen Rumpel the way can? he wants them to happen. That would be a good one. Okay. Well, I my superpower is I can talk people into an oblivion. Just to we've know. picked up on that. And so today on episode forty-eight of the Gospel Friends, we will all be talking about, although at different um, levels. Probably me the most, Chase second, and Nick, you know. A distant fifth, third? Fifth. Or maybe behind Tony. Behind Bernard and Tony. Bernard's special got a lot guest. to say today. Anyway, on episode 48, besides the death of Reverend Verbage at the hands of Nuclear Nick, uh, we're going to talk <laughs> I'm about. about to earn my nickname. We're, we have a special guest today, uh, Pastor Tony Vance, who is going to be here with us, and we're going to be talking about the dangers of moral failure in pastoral ministry and how to, um, uh, how to protect your ministry from that uh, and your family. And so we're looking forward to that. I think that's going to be a great segment. Chase, what do you looking think? Looking forward to it. That's interesting. Yeah. 
I, I am looking forward to it. I anticipate that uh, there will be a lot of good, serious discussion and that Tony is going to give us some really good advice. And we're really going to kind of get into the dynamics of the relationship between a pastor and his wife and how to protect that. I, I just think it's going to be a really good, solid conversation. In fact, that's my I'm feeling gonna, as well. I'm going to go on the record saying I know it's going to be awesome. Probably the best part of the show. You just, sound like you have me. some inside knowledge. I do. I Shout was out there. to we're really uh, the doctor at this. Samuel yeah. Lovell. You know what? Call me John Titer because I go through time almost as well as the doctor. We're also going to look around the uh, our Facebook community group, the Hall of Dogma, which you can reach at hallofdogma.com. We're going to take a look at a couple of the topics that were discussed there this week, including. Is daddy daughter dances dangerous? Are daddy daughter? Uh, daddy daughter. What did that, I say? Hey, that was some is, good alliteration. Are daddy daughter dances dangerous? Well, hey, before we get into all that, guys, I have a unspoken prayer request. I just wanted to throw out there. Really? Oh, quick. ironically, we're going to talk about unspoken prayer requests and whether or not they violate the New Testament commands for community. Well, that's a strange coincidence. How about that? <laughs> I'm shocked. After we have that discussion, we'll discuss whether or not we should. Pray for your unspoken prayer request. That's a good plan. I'm in. I hope you do. But to start things off today, we're going to run into the ground a very popular Christian uh, singer. Are we going to do that? Chase, go ahead. All right. Well, we got Michael W. Smith that's going to be joining us on the show today via Skype. Um, Okay, we don't, but maybe one day. I Not got, after this. Here, <laughs> this this might little deep six that a little bit. All right, guys, quick segment here. I want to get your take on something. I was driving in the car this week, uh, listening to some worship songs. She's kind of rocking along, and, and, and one I really I okay. Like you're a gonna year old right there. <laughs> well, no, the fact that Just you were talking along. about Michael W. Smith and said rocking along <laughs> yep, is the issue. That's how you know I'm old. Does he sing Friends or Friends Forever? And in he denial, does. he does indeed. Were you singing that? No one has nope. ever considered okay. Michael W. Smith rocking. Okay, you're right. Okay. I actually listened to heavy metal. He was actually listening to Carmen. I don't do that. Go ahead. Okay, so. Wait, no. I was listening to a worship song. There we go. That Michael W. Smith sings. uh, And the song is Above All. Now, is this billed as worship? Just just to clarify, is this this a singer-songwriter type song, or is this billed as a worship song? You know, I don't know. Okay. How, How would you find out that such question? Ask John Talley. John Talley. I bet John's going to have to weigh in oh, I bet he will. Uh, on this this particular issue. So it's rocking along. Listen to the song, Above All, Above All Powers, Above All Kings, Above All Nature and All Created Things, Above All Wisdom, and All the Ways of Man, You Were Here Before the World Began. That's good stuff, man. That's, That's real God word, real honoring to God and all that. So we keep going, and I'm singing, belting it out in the car, you know, doing the best I can. Can, you, can you demo that for us real quick? Yeah, have that sound. Uh, my voice is a little strained today. I okay. better, I better not. Uh, maybe later. Uh, so the next line: above all kingdoms, above all thrones, above all wonders the world has ever known, above all wealth and treasures of the earth, there's no way to measure what you're worth. You know, that's, that's good. That's good, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of list, listen to it. I'm getting into it. I'm just worshiping. Something tells me it backfires. Well, yeah, something's about I, to happen. You know, here. I'm going to ask you guys. There's too much positive. Note. <laughs> uh, I get to the chorus, crucified. And by the way, this song is like, what, 20 years old? I feel a little behind the times here. I yeah, understand really. that. This will get us into a bigger discussion, Way though. Yeah, sing, David. Belt it out. You Go live to die, on, rejected and alone. Like a rose trampled on the ground, you took the fall and thought of 
Me? What? Wait, what? Above all? Uh-oh. What the man? Is this song sing? Is this song stating? Look out, Michael W. Smith. The reformed guys are coming for you. Hey, look, I like Michael True train. W. Smith. I like Michael W. <laughs> Smith. He's not my favorite dude in the world, but... Uh, um, Who's your favorite dude in the world besides Jesus? Uh, Be careful how uh, you answer. My friend Bradford. I like him a lot. He has a 120-inch screen that we watch Alabama games on. <laughs> Okay, okay, you just David is oh. trashing this. You studio. just splash backwash Mountain Dew all over guy. me. I'm sorry, but okay, true story. David's my favorite. You're guy. You're my new best friend, and Nick, you're my second favorite guy. Um, and back to a serious discussion on the theology of, course, of worship Samuel. lyrics. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so here's my question for you guys. True story. All right, was Jesus on the cross thinking about me above all? No, because he was thinking about me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, I, so, I kind of wondered. Yeah. All right. So really, to, to back off a little bit and get a little more serious, is there some truth in that, that while on the cross, you know, you kind of get the idea Jesus had kind of a, a smile on his face, a little bit of wistful nostalgia, and he's like, ah, Chase, I love him, <laughs> and David, and Nick, and Tony. And Josh P and Josh D and John and Desiree and Anne. Okay, but see, is he is he sitting on the cross thinking about us above everything? I know she didn't okay, Emmanuel there and Emmanuel. Okay, but see the way you articulate it. No, I don't think it's this sappy, doe-eyed you know suitor thinking about a date that night. I mean, when you, what do you think he was thinking of above all? I've already talked a lot. Oh, okay. David, it's your turn to talk, obviously. Yeah. There's more, a lot of talking to be done. You go. I was asking Chase a question. Pain. Who, what <laughs> suffering. <laughs> wrath. Uh, All right. He, he, Bible he, point. What does the Bible say? He endured the cross for the joy set before him. I agree with that. Um, he, he, we know in the night before, uh, he asked that the cup could pass from him, but that ultimately God's will would be done. He said that he had... What fulfilled God's purpose for him by doing what God had given him to do, accomplishing those things. So, I, I, I think, you know, in center there, the glory of God and obedience to God was probably front and center okay. on his mind. In, in other words, I mean, yes, I, I don't know that he was completely distracted by the pain and the suffering to the point that that was all he could think about. Perhaps that was, but. We know at one point he cried out in anguish, Father, why have you forsaken me? Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani. I mean, that, that's... Yeah. He was so, thinking hey, about suffering. Calm down. Uh, I'm sorry. That was, so he that was, was thinking about this, the, that relationship yes. and, and, and that and focus. So I would say probably, you know, to me, I mean, just guessing, you know, above all, he was thinking about his father. Okay. Would, I, be, I, my, would be my guess. I think I, the I, average Reformed guy would say that he's also thinking about God's will, not just his Father, but his will, which is ultimately his glory, um, also. But I get, I, I get what, what you're – I, I get – you know, essentially the question is, is – I mean, that's a very – that seems to be very man-centric there. That's my problem I, with I used well, So I used to sing um, growing up. My mom would take me to gospel singings, and I, I sang it quite a few um and uh, Please, and Lord, so one of the video. one of the songs that I would sing was 
when he was on the cross, I was on his mind. That's which another is, one. Um, that was a very popular gospel song, and I would sing that. And that that's essentially what – I don't remember the lyrics right now, but you know that was essentially the, the thrust of that song, which was it was about me. Yeah. Now, now the question is, is there a, I mean, a place for that? I, I Look, part of the reason Jesus died on the cross – and there's a great book out there, 50 Reasons Jesus Died by John Piper – um, Fifty Reasons Jesus Came. It, it, it's a it's a great book. I'm probably not quoting the title absolutely correctly, but one of those is for why well, yeah Fifty Reasons Why Jesus Came to Die. One of those, of course, is for love of humanity. John three sixteen. For God so loved the world that He gave His Son to to die on the cross, essentially for us. Here's here's my take, just on the theological issue at hand, and I'm going to expand the conversation slightly and throw you guys a bigger picture question. My my take is that. When Jesus was praying in the garden, he asked for the cup to be taken from him. And, and, and that was not – I don't know that that was a common expression at the time. I think the cup he's talking about is this Old Testament picture of the cup of wrath, uh, of the wrath of God, which is p- set to be poured out on people. Well, instead of it, the cup of God's wrath being poured out on all humankind, again, like it was once in the flood – the bigger cup of God's wrath was not poured out on the earth. It was not poured out on me. It was poured out on Jesus on the cross. He paid the price for our sins. So if there is a sense that he's on the cross thinking about me, it is thinking about me in the context of paying the price for my sins and suffering the pain and punishment that's due my name. And so I struggle with songs like Above All and songs like When He Was on the Cross, I Was on His Mind in the sense that I think they paint far too rosy a picture of the cross. And it's hard for me to worship to that. So to to something along those those lines. So here's my bigger picture question to you guys: How important is proper theology in worship music? Nick. Okay, so here's I love the proper biblical theology. I mean, it is important, but there's also you're gonna what you're gonna find is you're gonna find a divide um, amongst um, folks that are. Um, Analytical versus folks that may lean more emotional. Um, What's that? That's insightful. And so what you have is I hear a lot of camps, a lot of communities kind of doing this whiplash thing on worship music um, for its theological errancy, its its inaccuracy. And there are some songs that are blatant, just, where did you get that, bro? Like, what are you (laughs) thinking? Um, You know, a lot of people – lash out at the uh, John Martin Millen song How He Loves for some of the um, more uh, teeny crush type of sentiments and emotions that it, it brings to bear. And I respect that. But there, there's a place in our lives for deep, insightful um, reading and meditation and discussion about the Word. And, and not just the John 3.16s, but the, you know, what David was talking the, the, the different parts of, of what drove Jesus to the cross, all of the things, and an understanding of, yes, it was you, yes, it was your neighbor, yes, it was him. And there's there's all of these things that, that drove him to the cross and kept him there. Um, but at the same time, there is a there is a time to acknowledge the emotional part of us and and just let our emotions be thankful 
that you were what he thought about. There are times in my life where I need to know that I'm important to the Lord. Not that I'm more important than David or Chase, not more Definitely. important than the congregation, but that I matter, that I'm not just you know, another face in the crowd. And in a line like that in a song that is so theologically dense, um, that is so honoring to the, to the scope of how big God is, um, I think a song like that can be important. Do I think it's necessarily maybe a worship song because of that? I don't know. Um, but, you know, it's, it's just like any other song you listen to, a song that you and I can listen to by the same artist. Um, maybe we, in, in June we go to a concert together um, or, or in the same facility, and, and that, that artist is singing something. And it takes you back to memory, and it takes me back to memory. Yeah. And it's just as potent for both of us, but it's not the same memory. Yeah. And, and I think in songs where those, those lines, those lyrics can, can have an emotional reaction for you that draw you to the Lord, absolutely. I think there's a place for those. Yeah. Is that the only thing? Is that maybe what worship should be? I, I don't know about that. I'm not saying that. Maybe, this, maybe that sentiment even kind of limits how you use it in worship. But is, is that out of line for a, a song for a Christian to sing? I don't personally think so. In, well, I don't. <laughs> Chase, you Okay. <laughs> Chase uh, well, apparently Chase did not like my sentiment. Uh, Chase had to uh, a uh, evil doer knocked on the door of the Hall of Dogma, <laughs> and Chase had to go and uh, take care of him. But it, 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 he's it, he's well taken care. Yeah, of. It wasn't a it wasn't you know big enough um, evil doer that all three of us needed to go. Chase was able to handle it. Yep, on he's his been crunchified. So I. You know, I see this debate. This debate happens pretty good bit in our Facebook group on the Hall of Dogma, um, and and it. You know, I, I think you know. I, I read all the different avenues, and some people, you know, point out there maybe certain songs that are good for a corporate setting. Not every song that you sing going down the road, contemporary music wise, right. or that that kind of stirs you, is not necessarily a good corporate song. And so, and and, and I get those things. I, I I'm middle of the road there. I don't, you know, I I'm not of the camp that every song and every song done in a corporate setting needs to be. "Quote unquote." I mean, the words that are used are God word. In other words, singing about God. Well, you know, Psalm one hundred three says, "Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits." Hmm. Um, so there's a part of that human condition and part of what we are called to do, where we are we bless the Lord, we bless the Lord from our soul, and we forget not all the things that He has done all the good that he does, all of his benefits, all of his rewards. And so I think there's an appropriate place where we sing where we sing that and where we talk about that. And we do so in whether it's a corporate setting or we do so among us individually. And so um, I'll give you another one, First Chronicles 16, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous deeds among all the peoples. So I think there there is a place where we where someone might call it man-centric, but there's a place to sing about what God has done in our own lives. Um, and, and I don't think every single time that we do that, that it's necessarily making the song man-centric. Um, I think singing about what God has done for us is God-centric. I, look, I, I'm, I, I'm totally in agreement with you there. I don't think that every song has to be gone over with a fine-tooth theological comb to just make sure there are no errors whatsoever, bad theology or, or whatever. And now, at the same time, I will say 
in a big picture sense, the songs we sing about God need to be accurate. Yes. Now, there's obviously there's that's some, important. Theologically and biblically truthful, they need to be that way. Like, like, like for instance, uh, I walk through the garden alone. Um, and, you know, there's there's a line in there. The the joy the uh, he walks with me, talks with me, tells me I am his own, and the joy we share as we tarry there, none other other ever has known. That's not only man centric. It's kind it's of individualistic. And individualistic, yeah. and it's inaccurate. It's yeah. just, just it's a plain old silly song. No offense. I mean, but but here's the thing. I, I know people, and you know them too, because we all know them. I know people that struggle singing songs that are off biblically. Mm-hmm. And if I could say that to worship leaders, think along those lines. You, you're not. I don't know that you're called to be a John Calvin or or a John Piper in the preciseness of your theology. Love poetry isn't always absolute and precise, and it doesn't have to be. But it needs to be truthful, and it needs to be biblical. And we need to be saying in our songs just deep, biblical, truthful things about God, remembering that we're not singing theological treatises, and nor should we be. And see, that's where it it splits worship music from – Godward music, I guess, because um, there are songs that I would, if if I came in and a worship leader was singing, I'd be like, uh, "Why aren't we singing this in church?" But th- it's kind of like the concert metaphor I was using before. Whether it was the time in my life I heard that song or parts of that song, they point me in a Godward direction, but I don't they're not necessarily worship to me. And so mm-hmm. I, I, that's what that's what I was getting at. Is I agree with you in a corporate setting, worship things like that, theological. Um, Accuracy is is vastly important, but I think there's a lot of songs that can point you God really in an emotional type of way that don't have to be worshipped. Yeah, I, I think there I think there are two different discussions right, right, there. Right. In all honesty, Driscoll used to say that a, that a song was a sermon with put to music, and then that's so. If you think of it that way, whatever song a worship leader is singing, it needs to be truthful, the same as a sermon being preached by a pastor needs to be truthful. Well, and I'll, I will say, I'll push back on Driscoll a little bit there. Of course you will, because you, you dislike him. No, actually, I like him. His worship leader did a good job of that, um, I'm just kidding. Not every worship song needs to be a sermon set to... Uh, set to music. Not, not every worship song needs to be that, but they need to be truthful and God exalting. And, and but you know, we remember songs so well, and you don't want people, especially children in a church, going around singing things about God that is just kind of fluffy or or, or garbage Very or, or wrong because it just sticks in our memory. But it doesn't have to be a sermon, you know. It, I think there's some people that are so theologically inclined that they miss the simple act of an emotional psalmic expression of worship yes. that's simple yet profound. Concur. Awesome. Good segment, Chase. Thanks for bringing that up. Hey, you bet, Dave. All right. Hey, a uh, couple of it's getting uh, a little bit bromance in here. Before we bring Tony on in just a moment, we a uh, couple of uh, headlines from around the world. I know you guys enjoy Did this. Party interview time. I know that you enjoy you guys enjoy this segment, the uh, "What Were You Thinking" segment. We try to bring some. Oh, dude, I'm pumped. Yeah, this interesting, is my intriguing. Uh, we weren't going to have it this week because you were going to create a game. But, I got uh, a game. It's hashtag awesome. fail. So we're back to what were you thinking? Couple of headlines. Okay, worship song lyrics. Who sings <laughs> above all? I, I, real My quick, Smith. you won the game. Boom! In your face, David. Nick won the game, so he gets to pick the topic. 
All right, Nick, over to you. I can't wait to interview Tony. You ready to get to that? <laughs> let's let's go ahead. Well, okay. Before we do that, well, that was well done. Thank you. Uh, I have a I story. I have a story that I want to bring up because I want to ask you guys a question about the maybe the um, accuracy. Of I am it. down with that. But I want to give you a headline first, um, and just mm. uh, I want to give you a headline. We won't talk about this because it's there's really much not to talk about. But uh, British man arrested after urinating in Florida hotel ice machine. Now, I just <laughs> that is a mega sin. I just want to I want to ask Chris and and some of our UK brothers, what have we done to you? I mean, why why do you need to come oh, over I here? I thought you meant Chris your brother-in-law. No, Chris oh, Studdard. Well, and we some of our UK in a war. I mean, I, I, look, I know we broke away from your country and created our own and all that, but I don't that think you need bad. to be I don't think you need to be coming over here peeing in our ice. I mean, that yeah, just seems like a bit much. America never does stuff in other countries. Look, that right, are problematic. We sent the general to London uh, last year, I believe. Yep. yep. Uh, and I am fairly certain he peed in no one's ice machine while he well, was have there. Have you asked him? No, I probably should have checked before. Probably. I did. But I, I'm thinking he did. I just, uh, you know, I, the I general does what like he wants. Him. Can we just be honest about that? Well, <laughs> I mean, he might have gotten a wild hair. I think we should have an agreement between all of our international listeners in the Hall of Dogma that there will be Livers. no, there will be no, using the restroom in other countries' ice machines. Yeah, that's when a sin. you visit. That's a sin. Thank you. Hey, speaking do that. of the UK, I'll tell you guys something interesting. Of the last ten people that have joined the Hall of Dogma at HallofDogma.com, our Facebook group, five have been Americans. Five have been various flavors of United Kingdom. Really? Inclu- yeah, no kidding. Including one uh, fast bowler on the Nottingham under-16 cricket team, which is super cool. Awesome. Listen, we love the UK, and we love mm-hmm. you guys, and uh, so please just you know be be nice to us when you get here. I mean, that's the that's the big thing. Yeah. All right, real Don't quick. Nice. How about this one, just to make fun make of Americans? Nice. Florida man faces charges after being bitten, attempting to kiss venomous snake. Is this the water moccasin guy? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. A Florida man was bitten in the face by a venomous snake after trying to kiss it, authorities told ABC Tampa. Um, I will retract the name to not bring further humiliation. We'll just call him A. How about you look up the picture of his face? That'll show you why you never yeah. – you probably go in there. First name Mo. A told his friends he took a liking to the snake and decided to keep it as a pet. It was a cottonmouth snake, four foot long. He pulled it out of a pillowcase and laid it on his chest, and it ended up striking him in the face. Look, they're, they're like literally the worst-tempered snakes there is. Yeah. They're terrible. So he's got all these pictures on YouTube and uh, uh, Facebook of himself handling these snakes and, and kissing snakes on, on the lips and things like that. Um, but, but this is the thing that was interesting to me. This is what I wanted to get your ta- you guys' takes on. Uh, Philip, uh, Terry Philip. Uh, is a uh, professional herpetologist. Herpetologist. Okay. Yeah. And he said, this is the statistic that I was interested in. He said about 3,500 people in the United States are bitten each year by yep. a venomous snake, leading to as many as four fatalities. About 70% of those victims are men between the ages of 16 and 25, and alcohol <laughs> is involved. Yep. No doubt. I believe it. So 70%. Of the venomous snake bites in this country have something to do with drunken teenagers and early twenty guys. Apparently, what are they doing? Well, they're drinking besides and this picking up snakes. <laughs> okay, okay, number one, I never got drunk as a teenager or you know anything like that. I did but, once. 
Okay. Well, I did. I have been drunk once in my life, but really, you too. Yeah, yeah. You never before told that Christ. Story. I'll have to tell it one day. It's it's actually a golden story. Okay. But um, it was you know it was, it was at least before I was trying to walk closely with Christ. But one so drunk you retract, retract your previous one before one Christ drunken day. story. Yeah, it was. I mean, it's you know, it's like I don't really know. I think I was. I believe <laughs> I came to Christ it. when I was seven. This, oh, this is true. I believe yeah. I came to Christ when I was seven or eight. But look, I spent years kind of walking in a valley, so to speak. So I don't really know how to describe that time. But regardless, I was not walking with Christ. One drunken story. Never during that episode did I ever think, I want to go find a snake. Yeah, because that's incredibly stupid. Incredibly. Right, Nick? Yes. The vast majority of these men are bitten in the upper extremities. Well, thank God for that. What's an upper extremity? Uh, think really, cadmium boy? Think above your waist. <laughs> I just thought that sounded funny. Philip said testosterone and snake venom don't mix real well. So I think it's the alcohol, personally. Yeah. <laughs> well, as a as a um, public service announcement from the gospel friends, uh, don't drink. Yeah. Don't drink and drive, and don't drink and handle snakes. That's right. Hey, by the way, I have a, I have a real quick funny snake story that's true. Y'all might oh, not sure have heard you know. before. Okay. So back in the '90s, I was a youth minister at a church, you know, just down the road from here. From here, and uh, it was it was the the height of popularity for one of my great heroes, uh, Steve Irwin, the crocodile hunter. I miss Steve Irwin. Oh my gosh, I literally cried when I heard he died. Him and Andy Griffith, the only two celebrities I've ever cried for. But um, loved Steve Irwin. Irwin. Anyway, I was kind of new at the church, and I, I I wanted to show off a little bit. Was driving to church one Sunday morning when lo and behold, a snake crosses the road. So I slam the car over. I'm in the middle of a neighborhood. Slam the car over. Go out. Catch the snake. Put it in a pillowcase that was in my car for some reason. Set the pillowcase in the floorboard and drive to church, thinking I'm going to show the snake to all the guys. They're going to think I'm cool. Well, I get to the church. Were you Pentecostal? No, I was oh. not for snake handling. This was for snake showing, displaying. <laughs> get to the church. Go to the pillowcase. I forgot. It's gone. It. Oh, you the forgot. Snake <laughs> is slithering around somewhere in my car, that is awesome. hiding. And it took me quite a while to find it. That is awesome. Yep. Did great, you leave great, great. before you found it? Uh, no, I just I fished it out eventually. Herschel Christ. Chris Riggins, is, by the way, could confront confirm that story. Herschel Christ, mm. who is listening to uh, the uh, podcast live via video, which is uh, a little uh, added uh, thing we do for Hall of Dogma members. So if you're not in the Hall of Dogma, you can ask to join. And as long as you don't appear to be a spam account, we will let you in. <laughs> Sometimes um, we'll there let you in. There was one I waited for. By the way, I ignored somebody this morning. Uh, so, Jennifer, if, if you're real, feel free to ask again. But it was somebody who joined um, Facebook a month ago, had very few friends, and was a part of 36 groups. So my uh, thought was – no, And no profile picture. And no profile yeah, pics. So it would be a problem. You, a lot of warning signs get there, in. Jennifer. Uh, but uh, Herschel Christ said, uh, we just had a Cobra Bright uh, – Cobra Bright. <laughs> What is wrong with me? <laughs> can, oh, can I go cobra can bite? I go no, no, a cobra animal. bite, um, and it had alcohol Herschel involved. Go. I bet. Nice. There was alcohol involved. So, All right, guys. We are uh, blessed to have uh, for the next segment uh, friend, Coach Dana Holgerson friend. from West Virginia. <laughs> wow. Or, um, since we couldn't get him. Oh, that's right. He's next week. <laughs> our friend, Pastor Tony Vance from West Virginia, who's been on the show before. Um, Go Mountaineers. And uh, Tony, welcome back. We appreciate you coming on. Thank you, guys. Thank you, guys. So, you know, 
I will say this. When we started the podcast, one of the things that we wanted to do uh, was to kind of make some new relationships with people who are outside of, you know, our circle in Birmingham. And so Tony's one of those guys that I feel that, uh, you know, we've really made a connection with and it's been very fruitful for us. And uh, so, um, you know, we have a chance to bring him on today and talk about, uh, you know, pretty serious topic. I think that'll be very helpful, but um, Tony's one of those guys I'm very appreciative of and, and one of the, uh, what I consider to be the great fruits of our podcast. Tony is, is a fruit of our podcast? Like he came go. about because of that? That's weird. Our relationship oh, with I him. Oh, I see. Yes, that yeah. is a good thing. I had a question. That? You really Tony's, need that Mountain Dew to kick in Tony, now. Tony's a great guy and, and everything, but I thought the goal of the podcast was to make us rich and famous. You say that a lot, but well, I, I prefer to set goals that I think will actually we can achieve. Are we not on our way to riches and fame? So if I say some of our goals was to make new friends and uh, relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ, we've already done that, so we can consider ourselves a success. Oh, yes. But doing it. If it's all about getting rich and famous, we're failures. In your face failure, because we are succeeding <laughs> at our goals. David, do you feel like you need new friends? Have you Sometimes, lost them, yes. Or? Sometimes, yes. I look around. I think we're distracting I, uh, attention from Tony. Okay, yeah. This that. is about Tony, not about us. Yes. All right, so uh, or it could be about Jesus. Oh, there that's, you go. That's better. Let's let's that's do that. Better. Let's go that's with that. Real. You're going to drop the Jesus card like that. Yeah, let's go with really? that. Really, to bail you out, you're going to drop the Jesus card. All right, so last time Tony was on, uh, Tony shared a little bit of his testimony, and uh, we asked him. We said, "Hey, look, we want you to come back. We're going to do a deeper dive into this." And uh, so the topic, really, the segment today is is going to be. Uh, I guess, dangers in uh, pastoral ministry, especially when it comes to uh, temptations uh, for uh, moral failure. Um, And and that is something that is, in all honesty, just rampant in the church. Um, All of us, you know, are tempted or somehow, um, I think, you know, the the enemy is looking to attack, um, I think, all men, Christian men, but but pastors, it seems like, may be a particular target of... um, the enemy, and so in that regard, and so uh, Tony, you have uh, a testimony to share, I think, uh, and you have before with us that uh, really kind of highlights those dangers. Yeah, um, Dave, I, I appreciate you guys letting me be on here to have a platform to talk about this because um, if there's anything that that I want to um, do is to magnify God's name, to glorify for to glorify Christ's name, and not to glorify the sin. So. I want to say that this this conversation is 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 uh, uh, has two main points, and the first point is sin, of course, but the uh, other main point is uh, redemption, and in the middle of all that is grace. So, uh, my story is probably familiar. You you know, it's one of them things you've heard this before. Uh, I was a a bi vocational pastor. I had uh, pastored a couple of churches and. Uh, in the midst of pastoring my, my the last church that I pastored, the second church that I pastored, uh, I got into an extramarital affair um, and committed adultery and resigned as a pastor. Uh, actually resigned um, uh, my um, or, ordination. I actually turned in my ordination papers to my, my local denomination uh, and, and, and actually was... was uh, and I don't want to get too sidetracked, but I was told by a lot of 
ministers in the conference that that I that I was a member of that to not do it to to not let them take my papers from them to fight for it. Uh, but at the time, I thought it was the and I still think it was the right thing to do was to step down. Um, and I didn't know where it was going to go from there. And uh, really, for the first couple of years, it was pretty dark. Uh, me and my wife worked on our marriage uh, through counselors, uh, uh, through a professional counselor, through um, some uh, friends, uh, so forth and so on, and ended up at the church that I'm at now. Uh, God led us there as a place of rest and comfort and peace. And about seven years down the road, without any, I'll be honest, just really no thought of ever going back into the ministry, uh, a friend of mine who who is uh, who is uh, one of our Hall of Dogma members contacted me with a message. He said, "I'm going out of town." He said, "I've been praying about who to call about preaching uh, the two services at my church the Sunday I'll be gone." And the Lord just kept bringing you to my mind, right? And he said, "Would you do that?" And I just it just tore me up. And I talked to my dad, my brother. And eventually talked to my pastor, and I said, I don't really want to do anything that would be a hindrance in any way. And he said, well, I've just been waiting for you to to go back to what you should be doing. I think the Lord knew when it would be time. I didn't want to push. So uh, to make a long story short, I have, I have been restored in some sense. My denomination has licensed me, which is kind of a probation period that really all ministers go through in our denomination. Yeah. Uh, for about a year, which is pretty common for a lot, and uh, and actually, I was surprised at how gracious and and um, just how kind and and just how all the uh, folks in our conference just uh, just really uh, really just tried to help and just be a help to me. So. Um, the question that always comes up, of course, is why. That's, you know, why or how did this happen? And and I'm going to give you the I am answer and then the TV answer. Of course, the, the TV answer is the Tony Vance answer, which has lots of nuances. The I am answer is the Emmanuel Marsh answer. So the Emmanuel Marsh answer is simple. It's sin. That's, mm-hmm. that's sin. It's the reason it happened. That's, that's There's no doubt about that. But the Tony Vance answer is that, how did I get to that point? Why did I sin? Why would I allow that to happen uh, to my marriage, to my family, to my church, to the cause of Christ? And there was, you know, there's so many things, and I've I've thought about this and struggled with this, and and there's there's just a couple, two or three things that really just jump out at me. One was spiritual pride. Um, I really thought that I was untouchable by Satan. I just didn't think there was anything he could really throw at me that that would trip me up um and it's just spiritual pride um me and my wife's relationship was was uh, not where it should have been uh, both between us and what we should have had with with us and the lord um we were going through some really hard struggles with with our relationship and and uh, uh that that was part of it and of course, the temptation that that presented itself, and so forth. And um, you can get to a place uh, that you're not what you should be. Um, uh, the good thing, though, the, the positive out of all this is, is when I stand up and tell this, 
uh, or I talk to somebody, they say, oh, my gosh, I can't believe, you know, that, that you know, you're willing to talk about this. I said, well, I'm not. I mean, it was not like it was a big hidden thing uh, when I did it. So why should I hide it now? Um, uh, I want to I want to tell one little quick story on okay. how my how my restoration started. And it started at the church. And I told this the first sermon I preached um, at my church when when I went back to preaching. And, and they did not know how this, uh, they were there, they just didn't realize what, what had happened. Uh, we, had, we had begun going to this church and, and just decided this was the place we would go. Our kids were comfortable there. Everybody was just so accepting of our situation. And so I felt like, well, I've got to do something here. I've got to be some kind of um, service in this church or something I'm bound to do. Well, it wasn't long they were getting ready to have a vacation Bible school. And I thought, well, what can I do in that? And the director said, I've got the perfect job for you. And I thought, oh, gosh, I hope he's not asking me to teach. I just don't think that's right right now. I'm not sure that's the, the – this was this was relatively soon after I had resigned and so forth from the other church. And yeah. I thought, that just maybe not the best situation. And he said, so we're in this meeting uh, with all the teachers and the cooks and, and all the volunteers. And he says, now, Tony's going to be – uh, a character for our Bible school. And I oh, thought, boy. okay, well, this might be good. Yeah, this would be great. He said, yeah, you'll have a costume. I thought, oh, this is perfect because I'll be able to be, you know, uh, have anonymity and nobody will even know who I am and I can I can kind of be free and so forth. And I thought, well, this would be good. And he, I said, what kind of costume is it? He said, a pink pig. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, wow. so, uh, so for my first uh, foray back into the ministry, I dressed as a pink pig and waved out. Yeah, yeah, waved out beside the road. But God used that in in an unbelievable way. He said to me, and I'm not doing one of those, you know, God spoke to me thing. But it was it was as if God was saying to me, "I'm not done with you. Yeah. There is there is a place for you." In the, in the kingdom of God, I'll put you where I can use you. And I carry in my Bible the picture of that pink pig <laughs> uh, as, a, as a constant reminder that, you know, God's not finished with me. And, of course, you know, about seven years down the road, I began to, to uh, uh, crawl back up in the pulpit and, and handle the Word of God as somebody who uh, definitely feels very unworthy to do it, but yeah. knowing that God is God is you know God is uh, merciful and gracious and and that's not never to be forgotten by me. Amen to that. You and Nick have a lot in common. Nick's done several VBSs. Um, Jesus rode Nick into Jerusalem, I think, in the <laughs> summer of two thousand. <laughs> hey, the pink pig. Was I can great. respond, I, but I would have to edit myself. I, <laughs> yeah. My, I chose the name Will Burr nice. as my yeah uh, as my name uh, for the pig, and nice. had a little cowboy hat on top of my head, and uh, wore a, a handkerchief around my neck, and it was kind of a barn theme kind so, of a deal. But is this on like a church website or anything? Yeah, you got any like video of this? No. For this well, there's I'm, yes, there's videos and pictures somewhere, but no, we don't have a church a website, so no, you'll never find that. So All right, we got to find okay. those. Pictures. Yeah, it can be found, I'm sure. Hey, Tony, are you willing? Hey, to I s- may post that in the Hall of Dogma. Please, so I'm, I may please do, because I'm that. not ashamed of it. Do My it. goodness, no, I'm not ashamed of it. So. You shouldn't be ashamed of the pink pig. No, no. Uh, Tony, are you comfortable saying your denomination? 
Uh, yeah, I'm a free will Baptist. Free uh, will Baptist. Yeah. And this, oh. well, I want to explain that because this is one of those things. Nick is cheering. Not alone. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm, I am sort of Armenian, or at least my denomination is Armenian. Right. Be careful, James will clarify that. If, I know. Well, I'm, I am now Molinist because of some other things. But hey, we'll, shout out to Rob Johnson. That yeah, he's yeah. part of that. But uh, I'm Calvinist. Shout out to the Bible. There you go. Hey. But here's I, I was uh, I went to a Baptist church one time. The pastor asked me. He did. He was not familiar with Free Will Baptist. Uh, we we were living in a in another area, uh, and he said, "Well, what's the difference between you know our Baptist? I think it was Southern Baptist and, and Free Wills." I said, "Well, we believe in backsliding, and we practice." So that's the difference. <laughs> wow. David, you really should consider nice. that denomination. Nice. Are you thinking yes, I need that? You think I need that better suits me? Yeah. I, I'm kind of something to consider that myself. All right. I, I want to I go back, Tony, and ask a question here. Yes, so absolutely. you mentioned um, about in this situation for you, you and your wife's relationship not being um, at the time where, where it needed to be. Uh, I asked you last night, we were kind of messaging about the show today, and I asked you, what are some things that you think we need to touch on? One of the things you mentioned were was how a pastor's wife um, is often forgotten or neglected. Now, I know that in um, and and I've also been in bivocational ministry, as you uh, stated, um, my ministry career, whatever you want to call it, uh, the whole time. And so, I mean, that's any pastor I think is busy. I think when you're bivocational and you're trying to work full time and then pastor as well. Um, it adds a lot of difficulty. You're always probably trying to figure out how to best juggle the time. Um, and I know my wife over the years has sacrificed a lot. She has sacrificed a lot of time uh, for me to be able to serve in ministry. And uh, there's no doubt there's been periods during my ministry where you know we've ran into some of those roadblocks to where I was just too busy and she was not – um, you know, I was not putting the priority I needed to on our relationship. So, um, get, what, what is that? Is that what you had in mind there when you were talking that's, about wives and, and, getting neglected? Yeah, that's part of, it, of course, and and that's that's true. You know, I think we all, and it really it doesn't matter if it's a pastor or not. That we all have that issue that we 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 have to prioritize our our marriage at times, and we we neglect that at times. Uh, a couple of the issues that that. I thought about in relate in in relation to what we're talking about, particularly here. Number one about the pastor's wife being neglected in the sense of uh, she's forgotten in in all of the you know that goes on, but she's also the one forgotten when the sin happens, like mm-hmm. in my situation. Um, she's forgot about. Um, uh, she's not. Uh, uh, re- people don't reach out to her like they did me. And those kind of things. Um, I mean, obviously, there were some of her friends that did, but but they don't realize that she's had to leave a church. She's had to leave a church family. Hmm. No fault of hers at all, um, you know. And and now she's got to she's got to follow along with me. And you know, we made the decision to try to make it work. And 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 thank God we have so far. And and uh, you know that's part of what what I was talking about that, that the pastor's wife in those kind of situations is often forgotten um, what she's had to deal with, let alone the 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 affair adultery part of it. Yeah, I mean that's worse. That's bad enough. And then then on top of that, the the church part of it, the the relationships that she had, it's hard for her to go back to. 
you know, I had to stand up in front of that church and, and tell them that I had sinned and that I was turning in my letter of resignation, which, which me and her talked about that was the right thing to do. But she had to sit through that. And mm-hmm. uh, we walked out when I read the letter, handed it to the, the secretary of the church and, and walked out because, that, you know, we just couldn't stay uh, for the rest of the service. It just wasn't, I mean, it was just so awkward and so hard. And she bore so much of that. And still does. I mean, you know, there's healing, uh, but the reality is there's scars that come from that too. And, um, you know, sometimes those scars get pricked and they can Mm kind of get opened up again sometimes. So, and maybe Nick and and Chase, you guys kind of chime in on this. I think one of the things that, you know, Allison and I have wrestled with this. I've wrestled with this for, you know, several years now in ministry. Um, And, you know... I guess keeping things in proper perspective. There's, uh, I have never been in a situation where my full employment was from a church. I've I've talked to guys before, who were fully employed by a church. Uh, that's where all their income came from, and so there was always kind of that for them that pressure of the, if the church needs me, I need to be there because I mean this right. is this is where you know I, I get paid from. I've never been in that situation, um, but there there is still that danger or that. Um, friction of trying to figure out what to say no to um, and and how to protect family time and time with with your spouse. Uh, a couple of things that we've done, you know, for us is, is we try to be very uh, diligent about taking um, a Sabbath day every week that is just us, just our family. Um, we try to take a date night every week, uh, just me and my wife, uh, even if it's just at, in our home. Um, and at the same time, we have looked for ministry opportunities, things that we can do together. Um, so when we were teaching youth, uh, when we did youth ministry, um, that was a great way for us to do things in ministry together. Right now, we're, we have an opportunity. We're kind of doing an outside ministry, teaching parenting classes. We're getting to do that together. And I have found focusing in on some ministry aspects of things that, that the two of us could do jointly um, has really helped our relationship and 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 kind of put some protection there. I don't know if Nick and Chase, if you guys, I know y'all struggle with that same dynamic of you know pastoral time and family time. Um, any comments from you guys on that that subject? Well, I preached today uh, on community, and first thing out of my mouth was uh, uh, what I hope was a sincere confession of. The fact that I have not been doing very good, I have not balanced things very well lately, um, relative to relationships uh, with people in the church and and, and marriage. Uh, it's just, um, it's hard. It's hard balancing everything. I, I'm, I guess, more of a full time pastor than than some, but still uh, bivocational in the sense that uh, I teach at a college, work at a seminary. And uh, actually, do some work on the side at a nonprofit too. Um, it, it it takes a great deal of intentionality relationally to focus on my wife. And I should be honest with you, I, I'm not always great at it. Um, and and so, Tony, I, I, along those lines, I, I'd like to ask you the que- a question, and then open okay. it up kind of all to all of us. How can we who are in ministry? do a better job at not putting our wives on a pedestal, which I don't, I don't think is appropriate, but how can we be a, do a better job of being a good, godly, warm, affectionate, gentle, loving husband? 
I have no clue. No, nah, I don't either. Okay, okay. Well, okay. Let's Nick, just get ten points for honesty. <laughs> no, no, straight up, ten points no, for honesty. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a hard question. It's such a hard question that it, there there is so many things that everybody. I don't care who you are, um, you're balancing so many things, and uh, when you you're balancing church and you're you're doing the work of God. I'm doing the little air quotes here. The work of God. Um, it's hard to you know find that balance somewhere, but I, I don't really know. I can't I can't answer that because I'm not sure that I've still figured that out. All right, pressure's on. Good times. Uh, it's it's funny because when you started um, talking about your sermon this morning, you talked about community chase. Um, I, I know you you were asking us what we can do or, or how. Um, first and foremost, I think the answer is to realize we can't do everything. Um, uh, you know, I, I have a, a good, um, trusted friend that I give too much of a hard time to too often, but that constantly, anytime I go, hey man, I was, I've been thinking about such and such lately, and he goes, as long as you don't try to do it, um, because I, try, I, I think I can do everything, and um, I, it's kind of like what these guys have described. Too often, I kind of just drag my wife along with me. Um, one of the things that has been the best for our family has not been something. I do, but it's something I make sure we make a priority. Um, our gospel community or you know, small group, life group, pick your um, favorite name for out-of-church uh, community Bible Jesus-focused gathering, um, but ours meets on Friday night, and I love our church. I love our gospel community. I don't always like seeing them on Friday nights at the end of a long <coughs> work week. Um, that's just, in my in my mind, has always been kind of, go home and crash <laughs> with pizza in a movie night and with my family. Um, but at the end of my wife's week, uh, she's so emotionally kind of depleted that being in that community, being around those other ladies, just that's a different type of filling up because if we're at home, my wife's a school teacher. And so if we're at home, it's, she's traded one zoo of children for another, albeit smaller zoo, but, um, that community has been instrumental for us, and it's not just gospel community, but um, I, I guess my point in that is is listening to her um, in, in – Whoa, whoa, what? Listening. <laughs> listening, yes. It's where we stop talking and oh. we stop trying to fix and we go, hey, hon, what, what do you need? Well, that's um, kind of revolutionary. David, have you ever tried that? <laughs> oh, I do that all the time, but, but there, okay. it's the next stage. Actually doing what I, you yeah. Oh, yeah. You say that, That's like, the hard part. It's like a two-part part. thing. I think Nick yeah. maybe hit on something there that, that if I had a word of advice, and I'm not sure. Hey, real quick, Tony, Tony these two guys are dumbfounded right now. Tony, yeah. don't, don't give him a lot of credit. I mean, he, yeah, I he'll know, start thinking he needs to talk all the time. And... I know, I know. <laughs> I miss the Nick days when in the earlier episodes. He spoke a lot back in the early episodes. I went back and listened to all them. He had lots of good advice back in the day. but now He ran uh, out. So he's... Anyways, anyways. <laughs> I ran out. Anyways, anyways. Thank Nick you, hit on something I think may be a, a good point to make, and I, that is I agree. decide to do sarcastic. something. And and stick with it. When I say that, decide to be intentional in the dating, or be you know be intentional in the time off. Or I think that may be the point. Is is you, you need to when you decide how you're going to do that, stick with that. Well, and 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 I you know I, this is just for my family. So this is in the conversations my wife and I have had. But um, you know, it is not always for us or for, for her about having 
quote unquote alone time or time for us to be at the house. It, it, it's about us doing ministry together. Hmm. Um, you know, I think kind of the old school to me, the old school pastoral mentality, what I saw growing up was you had the pastor of the church and you had the pastor's wife. The pastor's wife was very hospitable. Um, you know, she took care of things around the church, maybe had, you know, did luncheons and things and had people over to the house. Um, but you You're know, seeing my wife should do luncheons. No, no, no. I'm saying I'll bring that up. Hang next on. Time I'm, meeting I'm saying that I think in in that kind of model there was it, it neglects the spiritual gifts that all people are given, and that that each person has been equipped by God in the Christian church for ministry. And so, in other words, our wives, uh, a pastor's wife has ministerial gifts that need to not be neglected. They need to be fanned into flame, as the Bible says. And, and, go ahead, Nick. Well, and respectfully, you know, um, with, with sensitivity to the, the conversation that's happened, when you have you over here and them over there, that gulf of time creates more opportunities for this distance, this division, and um, attacks to come in to either spouse uh, that can put a family on a road. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm not – look, some people take this – now, I'm not on this side of the road where you put, you know, the husband and wife's name on the church as pastors, you know, <laughs> um, pastor. Well, there goes know, that idea. Yeah, David and Allison oh. McConnell or something like that. I'm not that, – that's not what I'm talking about. But I am talking about, you know, it seeming, seeming like uh, that there's a – you know, at least old school church was a well. The, the the pastor's wife has to do certain roles in the church and yeah. has to look a certain way. And there was a distinct formula. Yeah, a, a specific image. And anyway, for us, I think one of the things that that my wife and I have found bringing us closer together and helping um, our marriage and, and 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 really just even like what Francis Chan is trying to teach right now with his wife in that book that they wrote. Um, I have to look it up. I can't think of it right now. Um, but, you know, the idea that you're not just two people who were on a mission for God and then you got married and now everything's about the marriage. You get married, you're still two people on mission for God, and you have to figure out what that looks like together um, in, in a marriage. Uh, you and me forever. Thank you. Marriage in Light of Eternity by Francis Chan and his wife. And so I, I think for us that's been the key is, is how do we serve together in ministry, and that's been very helpful and and. Uh, kind of protective for us. Um, That's a good word. I think you guys have both had insightful things to throw out. Nick, I think it, uh, as much sarcasm as I <laughs> used, I think listening to your wife, there's a lot of wisdom in that. David, you said something earlier I, I want to revisit briefly, um, and that is you know, not – kind of specifically, not every pastor's wife is going to have the spiritual gift of – Luncheon hosting. Yes, <laughs> like my wife uh, enjoys having people over, or, and she's, or uh, she's the a piano. good cook. Hey, <laughs> preach, Tony. That's or playing not the piano. Her, what he or Tony said, or playing the piano. Actually, uh, or playing the piano. Chase's yeah. wife does have what, that. Chase's wife does, does do that. Play the piano, but <laughs> that, that's that's actually. I mean, we were year years before she actually joined the worship team. Um, but but those things are not her thing. She she goes deep with people, and, and and she that's the kind of water she likes to play in. She likes to do deep counseling, deep relationships, that sort of thing. She's not the one. <clears throat> if she was hosting uh, a tea or a luncheon or whatever, she could probably do it. But I think it would fill her with anxiousness. Mm. And, and I, I think it was very insightful what you said that that finding 
are uh, are helping not only you know, our wives probably know what their spiritual gifts are hmm. creating an atmosphere as best we can for them to minister in those gifts just like go. every other member is the right thing to do well, if, their gift may not be quote being pastor's wife and i think that's legitimate and and if you take that i mean a, a pastor so god has given the church what apostles and pastors and 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 to equip the saints. And so if we take that, that, that a husband is the pastor of his home, that is part of that responsibility, I think, is, mm-hmm. is how is your family on mission together? How, how are they using their spiritual gifts? You know, how are our wives doing that? And so I think, I think that's key. We had an article we want to get to. We're going to run out of time on the segment, but um, Chase, I'm going to let you highlight a few points from this article. You're going to let us. me? Yeah, I'm going to let you. That's mighty generous of you. Well, that's how we do it here at uh, David and Friends podcast. That's interesting. But uh, <laughs> um, I hear it's hard to podcast with a broken jaw. What do you think? <laughs> you need to repent of your violent tendencies. Oh, it doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't really, do well. Really you have an that, image. Man. You have an image to keep with Tony as the uh, wise oh, old. Man. Oh boy, Here wise we go. old Puba on the hill. Uh, stress old. Uh, and, I do and, have a violent streak, though. Now, I, I want to mention, I think it's in this article, because the other thing Tony brought up is there's a danger uh, that pastors have to face when it comes to the uniqueness of the pastor-congregant um, relationship oh, yeah. I hear when it comes with counseling. And I think that's up in this article. But, Tony, just if you would for a minute speak on that, because, I mean, you know, we are – pastors are constantly asked – to counsel, and they are constantly given um, opportunities to be in situations to counsel, and and you can very quickly find yourself in a uh, unwise situation trying to do a very good thing, which is trying to counsel someone. Uh, how, what would you say to uh, to that danger? Uh, the article, the article that we're we're talking about, mentions that I think it was eighty percent. Um, became involved with with those they they were counseling. That was not necessarily my situation, but um, I, I know that that is such a danger. Uh, the other aspect of the, the the pastor member relationship that that I was thinking about was was the the point that the pastor can't go to the members of the church with his problems. Hmm. Um, you know, he doesn't. He, he, the, everybody comes to the pastor, but the pastor can't go. You know, he can't just, hey, I need to talk to y'all about so and so member. They're driving me crazy. You know, that kind of thing. And, um, you know, that, 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 uh, not having, and I think the article even mentions about not having uh, somebody to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sin thrives in isolation, I think, is one of the points that, that he brings up that um, when you're isolated um, and, and you're just, you, you just crawl up in that shell. And you don't feel like you can, and when you have somebody you can turn to, then it then that's where that danger begins. Well, and I, and I think that's you know, guys, a again, that's to me a, a, a we've set up that problem in the church because we've created this dynamic where the pastor is kind of up on a pedestal above all the people of the congregation, and and so the pastor doesn't need to show weakness, doesn't need to show vulnerability because that would, you know, somehow maybe he would lose credibility if he did that. And, and I just think that's an unwise approach that uh, we've taken in the church in, in pastoral ministry. I, I, I think that the biblical picture is 
the pastor is among the congregation, not above them. He's yes, leading amen. by the word and leading by example. And I think pastors should be vulnerable and should be open. And unfor- you know, and I think churches should allow for that. And I think it takes, I think it takes give on both sides. And quite honestly, it takes a lot of courage for a pastor to do that. Um, but but I think. I think that needs. I think that needs to happen. I think the pastor should lead out in that transparency and vulnerability. Well, there's a teacher, a teaching you encounter from time to time. Some seminaries, uh, some professors will say this, and and some pastors will recommend it. I don't hear it as much as I used to, but essentially the advice is: pastors don't be friends with people in your congregation. And, and in my mind, that is some of the dumbest stupidest, worst theological advice you can give. If you're not friends with people in your congregation, you're not going to have any sort of acts community. You're not going to have accountability or whatever. But let let me throw this out, and then we'll we'll hit the article. I have kind of a – I want to get you guys to respond to it and maybe tell me what you think. Uh, Kind of a word. I have a word for pastors who are counseling other women. And I don't want to say it kind of with all – Restraint. Other women, and, so women pastors counseling well, no, no, other women? pastors counseling women specifically. Okay. <laughs> All right. Okay, so I have a word for them. I want to say I, it with I a lot of – I saw you go up where I was like – A, a lot of gentleness, there. but still hopefully this will kind of make the point. Uh, hey, pastor moron, stop <laughs> counseling women. <laughs> Now, oh my gosh! I realize that uh, might not I be would, quite I as would definitive. Amen, I would amen that. I would amen that. Uh, Just when I thought it was safe to go for a drink of tea. Uh, let's good night. Now let's be um, let's be specific. Uh, okay, there. I I am going to oh, assume it was pretty good. Pretty good that, strategy. That Pastor Moron in this situation is kind is, of a blanket metaphor for. Male pastors who would, but you are not excluding female. People. Okay, but but are you excluding uh, Sunday morning gathering? A female comes up and and speaks to the pastor and asks for advice or counsel on a situation. Well, you know, David, that's a really good point. There, it's a Creflo situation. I don't think it's going to be awesome. That male pastors, when they see women coming to talk with them in public, should run screaming the other direction. What I'm specifically saying is... We've been around some people who would do that. (laughs) Hey, look, there's some situations where it's warranted. I'm not going to lie. And we can probably think of some right now. In fact, do you all remember that? Okay, so um, I'm talking about one-on-one counseling in your office or in Behind closed doors. Behind closed doors. Intimate setting. Even closed doors with a glass cutout. Don't do that. Yeah. No, no, I can never. Okay, can and, never and, end and up that's good. essentially what I was what I was driving at is I think specifically Pastor Moron is going behind closed doors in a private setting at and, dinner or something like that, and even. going into you know uh, intimate conversation. We're not talking about. I mean, I, I think there's a place pastorally where the pastors of the church do give one on one counsel to both men and women, but. Uh, Maybe I, I think there's a danger. In a crowd, yeah. Well, that's in a crowd, but I mean, sure. you know, I think there's a difference between. I think there's a difference between the type of behind closed doors counseling, very intimate, and oh well, hang on, someone is a female and asking me a question in the fellowship hall, and you know, there's only. You know, four people around. See, when I, I see females coming, I run. I mean, I, in I my just, mindset, I'm thinking more, and, and this is where, again, with discretion and, and respect, but even at, at 
kind of alter time because that's that's in a very emotional time. Mm, that's and, a good point. You know, you've got you've got the areas where you know people are set up for prayer. Maybe the pastor stepped off to the side, and it just to me it, it raises a. Again, I don't think Chase, what you're saying. I don't know that you run away, but I don't know yeah, how far you. I don't know how far you get into a one-on-one counseling, even in those scenarios where a woman's pouring out her heart before I, you know, wave, hey, bride, or, you know, another person, just because you, you, you put yourself in a situation that, that it's concerning. I don't know. Tony, do you, beyond I, the, obviously, the, the closed door thing, where, where are you on this? I, I'm with you on all of that. That uh, it, can never, it can never go well when when there's there's a boundary that's crossed that that could that could uh, entail any kind of intimacy that's a good uh, word you know yeah, that I think, I think that's that, yeah. that that's where the boundary is if it if it's if if you you've crossed some boundary that and that can be alone and that can, and that can be in a crowd you know that can be in a crowd so well, that's uh, a good point i think i think maybe even even what is being discussed? You know, I mean, I, I would Absolutely. I would never Absolutely. counsel you know a female on you know sexual intimacy problems in marriage with her husband. You know, whether I was in a crowd or I was you know with that 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 doesn't matter. Um, but you know, there's the you know I I think you know one this is how in, in those situations this is where I do involve my wife. In other words, right. so if there's counseling that is needed with a you know with a a female mm-hmm. then that's something that that is again in-depth counseling so i'm not talking about just again to me there's a difference between biblical advice on a sunday morning hey i've got this issue what do you what do you think about it and right. this in-depth counseling and but if there's in-depth counseling that needs to be done i will do that but my wife, oh. my wife is present. Like we will do that together, and she's yeah, not just yeah. present. She's not just present as a figurehead. It's not just a, like it's not just a. Well, I want my wife to be there for protection purposes. It's because, you know, there is a biblical principle of women ministering to yes. women, men ministering to men. There's this. There's a. I think there are things that women deal with that they need other strong. Christian females to be able yes. to talk with them on, and so um, yeah, I'm thinking of the scenarios where again, you know, I'm I'm thinking the Sunday morning, and it doesn't even have to be you know uh, intimate relational questions in terms of physical intimacy between husband and wife. There's a lot of things just in you know hopes and dreams and this type of you know when emotions get involved um, beyond concern or fear or anxiety when you start talking about deep emotional needs I, those are the those are the times where i'm i'm waving again i you know well, i'm not talking about what you're talking about i no that's ob- that's and, an and obvious let, to me and here's here let me let me say this here's the reason uh for those who would who might be even listening to this and saying well i think you're taking it too far that i, I think there is a place where a a pastor could do some deep counseling with a female by himself. Here, here's the if thing. If he's a blind eunuch, <laughs> we should consider what? allowing it's it. Not <laughs> even, it's not even a physical. Oh, it's not even physical attraction. There is something in a guy. There's something in a guy that he wants to be the hero. 
Yeah, he wants to right. he wants to ride in on a white horse and Absolutely. save the situation and save the yes. day. And, Pastor and there him, is you're not the hero. Jesus is. And there is a danger. There is a danger in when you get into one on one counseling with a female who is in a desperate situation that the temptation becomes the male begins to think. I could save you. I could rescue yes. you, mm-hmm. and want to do that. That's, There's the temptation. It's, and it's not, not even sexual. No, it's not even sexual. And so that that's that's my point. Is that's where the danger has to be. So, all right, guys. So Garrett Kell uh, has a blog, All Things for Good. Um, which is a lot of good stuff on it. He talks about uh, a lot of you probably know Dr. Howard Hendricks. His nickname was Prof. He's a, he's a long, he was a long term professor at Dallas Theological Seminary. Uh, mentored hundreds, if not thousands, of pastors. I really got a lot of respect for the guy. He did a study based on seminary students he knew that went on to be in full-time ministry. It, it, it was a study of 246 men in full-time ministry, and he came up with four common characteristics of, of pastors who have fallen. And, Tony, I'm going to kind of direct this one to you. I'll give you the four characteristics he said and then just let you kind of respond to that. So he said these All are right. the four things in common with ministers who, these 246 ministers who fa- who've fallen. Number one, none of the men were involved in any kind of real personal accountability. Number two, each of the men had all but ceased having a daily time of personal prayer, Bible reading, and worship. Number three, over 80% of the men became sexually involved with other women after spending significant time with her, often in counseling situations. Number four, without exception, each of the 246 had been convinced that that sort of fall would never happen to me. What's your take on that, Tony? Well, each each and every one of those um, are, you know, I'm sure spot on. Um, there's no doubt that I would, you know, I've talked to some other fallen ministers and stuff, and those seem to be common. And I would, I would tweak that third one to say that when they cross that intimate barrier, a hundred percent fail. Mm, wow. So, you know, and if you did that, all four of those come down to every single. Um, Fallen minister, fallen pastor, had those four characteristics. They they, they didn't have accountability. Um, they they lost their personal, you know. And and this is something I I counsel young ministers about a lot. Have a time in the Word for yourself, hmm. not yeah. just studying, you know, sermons and, That's and such lessons. Good advice. Yeah, do that for yourself. And then of course the third one, as we've already said, but and then that fourth one, you know, who who. Who starts out in ministry saying, boy, I'm going to do this about 10, 11, 12 years, then I'm bang, I'm going to hit that, uh, hit that uh, fallen uh, thing and see how that works out. Uh, you know, that's not uh, – so, yeah, I think all of those are extremely accurate, and I'm sure that, you know, he did a lot of in-depth talking to those, those gentlemen, and, and I would, you know, I would just echo each point uh, – very much. That's good. I wanted to ask um, a little bit off of your your bullet points from earlier, um, but it goes into the point one of this with you mentioned spiritual pride, and this talks about accountability. We t- we talked a little bit about that difficulty men feel, um, pastors feel about inside their church. What what is your strategy now? How do you as you pursue a role as as a pastoral role again? What is your strategy now for accountability, whether it be um, 
you know, maybe obviously some some more deep relationship with your spouse. Um, but you know, in church, out of church, what what does that look like for you now? Well, of course, the spouse that 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 uh, has to be much more open. Uh, my pastor now is somebody who I have a very open. Um, you know, from the moment I stepped in that church, he was ex- he was quite aware of where I came from and what what had happened to me. Uh, I've got a couple of uh, minister friends who who um, who check on me. I, I've got one particular friend. I'm a little shout out Chad Neal, who uh, is in our, Chad, yeah, yeah, he's in our Hall of Dogma. Um, he came to me when that happened, and in the midst of the struggle and the pain, and and just walked up to me one day and hugged me. Wow. And just said, wow. I, just said, I love you, and th- no judgment, no, you know, what was you thinking, you know, no uh, uh, knucklehead, uh, you know, or whatever. Just, I love you, and That's and big. he meant that, and that was uh, one of the one of the most powerful um, blessings that uh, out of all that was was people like that. I had a I had another young man and, and a friend that um, when we were. We were just struggling, still not even sure what church we was going to go to. They would come and sit in my house and just sit and, and not even say anything, just sit there with me. And um, just their presence just meant so much. It wasn't, I mean, it just can't be overemphasized how important that is. Um, so, you know, accountability just, mm. especially once in, in you know, in pastoring, uh, you have to be, and I think we have to be accountable anyways, but uh, that is a big issue. But it, it sounds like some of this, um, Again, you know, with respect, this is stuff you had to set up afterwards. Um, it just didn't. And I guess what I'm thinking about is, you know, even the three of us, we spend a lot of time together. But to really get into the to the deep parts of life, we've got to be intentional about it. That stuff's not going to happen by accident. It sounds like it did take a little bit of this disaster scenario for some of that to get put in place. Is that correct? Oh yeah, that yeah, that's that's for sure. And, and of course, you know the the Bible speaks that God takes the the bad things that happen and turns them to the good. Agreed. That's 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 God's way of doing things. And and I now have uh, a handful of young pastors that I try to keep pretty c- close contact with, and, and and tell them, and and they know my situation. So when I say to them, listen. When you need to talk to somebody, you need to come to somebody. I am available, and you can tell me stuff you can't tell nobody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I try to be very intentional about that with other uh, ministers and, and young ministers, and, and we've got a few in our church and then young pastors in the area. Uh, I try to make a try to make a concerted effort to to really be intentional, to use your word, Nick, in those kind of situations. Awesome. That's a good word. I want to kind of close this out by highlighting one thing you you mentioned, Tony, that uh, uh, the prof also brought up, and that is the the whole issue of not having a daily time of personal uh, time in prayer and in the Word. It's easy for people who teach the Word a lot for their devotions, for their time in the Bible, as you mentioned, Tony, to be all about what you're preaching about. I fall into that trap frequently, and I know it's a trap. I know it's something I should stay away from. But if you're a pastor listening to this, and I know we have a lot of pastors and church leaders out there, if you're listening to this and you're in that trap right now, you're in that place where the 
90 plus percent of your time in the Word is spent in preparation for sermons. Mm. Just let me say to you, not in a tisk tisk naughty boy way, it, it, that is dangerous. But let me say this to you. You will be amazed at the freshness of passages that you aren't aren't currently teaching on that you just go to to feed on the word and, and I said I'm saying that to myself because I don't always do that I'm saying that to all of us feast on the word not for teaching not for leading not for sharing with the podcast but just for your soul your relationship with God your focus to hear from him and let him be lord over your life through his word amen to that amen to that well, Tony, the director, Vance, <laughs> this has been another stellar interview, the Absolutely. definitive Tony Vance interview. You did a fantastic job, and we are so grateful for your time and your wisdom and your the openness with which you yeah. share your story. It, it's a blessing to us, and I think – uh, you know, I, I can't guess or predict, but I imagine there are people listening to this that uh, God will use your testimony to rescue them from – uh, tragedy. How about that? Amen. Yeah. To God be the glory. Amen to that. Perfect answer. Now, Tony, um, I know we have talked a little bit. Where can people find you and uh, kind of what projects do you have that people may want to tune into? At his house in West Virginia. That's where they can There you go. Me. Hello, Dave. You want uh, me to send people your address real quick? Yeah. No, you uh, can't find Tony in my house. I've <laughs> nice. got a website, and I guess Nick will put that on the uh, show notes, uh, so to speak. Sure uh, he will. Sure he will. <laughs> yeah. Um, Go ahead and say I, it, I, just in case. Uh, oh, gosh, you've put me on the spot. It's like Reverend Tony Vance dot... We got Wix. Wix dot... I think it's RevTonyVance.Wix.com, but I will double-check. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Um, I'm actually thinking about starting a podcast myself. Not thinking about it. I'm I'm in the process of getting ready to start you one myself. You do that. So. That's going to be awesome. You know, the Gospel Friends has become the launcher of many podcasts. Well, I, I have put in my contract like uh, Dr. Phil did with Oprah. You know, uh, Dr. Phil made sure his contract that he would never compete with Oprah in her time uh, frame <laughs> on a particular TV station. So I'm I'm not going to compete in the time frame with the Gospel Friends. So that's in Hey, my we, we want to plug your podcast yeah, and, we'll, and get you yeah, off the ground. Absolutely. We want to ride your coattails if possible in case you make it to superstar. That too, so, yes. You You're back there to you the stardom go. thing. That's Chase. That's me. Oh, my bad. And I'm all for I'm it. all about relationships and using those relationships for my benefit oh my <laughs> if, <God>. if the <laughs> situation presents oh, itself. There you go. There you go. I want to jack. Oh, wait. No, I don't. What did you say? Nothing. Okay. All right. So we can also you're on Twitter and um, yep. right at at Tony Vance 1966. Is that the that was a good uh, year? That was a good year. Well, that's a long time ago. What, what happened oh, in 1966? <laughs> oh, here we go. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Tony. I read about 1966 one time. Yeah, yeah. When when you go the, when you go on those websites where you have to scroll down through to get your your birth date on it. I have to go a lot of scrolling. That's I realized that the other day. All right. Well, Tony, we appreciate you coming on. Appreciate you sharing uh, with us and look forward to uh, you joining us again one day soon. Thanks, guys. Thank you, Tony. You're the man. Grace and peace. Peace. All right, Tony, thanks for that great interview. Um, lots of good information there. I obviously will have the contact info um, on the website, thegospelfriends.com. Please check Tony out, follow him on Twitter, and look for his podcast coming soon. And I'm going to go ahead and pass it over to David for Hall Monitor. Hall Monitor. So this is a segment where we kind of look around. I don't even get to finish my, my line. Yeah, I was wanting to do it in unison because I thought mm. it would be better. 
yeah, that's not something weird about all. brothers and being together. And oh, unity. wow. Church it up. Okay, go ahead. So we do a uh, hall monitor segment is where we uh, kind of take a look at things that have been happening in the Hall of Dogma on Facebook, our community group there. And uh, so a couple of uh, – I don't know if we're going to have a chance to get to both of these or not. Just a couple of topics that came up. Had a lot of comments this week. Um, the general uh, Emmanuel – uh, posted in the Hall of Dogma this week, asking the question, what do you think about daddy-daughter dances? Specifically, what he was asking was about organizations that put together daddy-daughter dances. Now, he, he, was, he clarified in his opening comments, he was not talking about dads taking their daughters out for ice cream or anything like that. But the question that he was asking was, those specific daddy-daughter dances. And in the Hall of Dogma, the conversation kind of became um, whether or not you should even use language like daddy-daughter date night. Uh, there was a lot of people who felt like if you used the word date to describe going out with your daughter for a night, that that was, it was crossing some boundaries. It was just weird. And so it was, it was a fairly interesting discussion. Quite honestly, I, I thought it was i was surprised by the number of people who either thought the daddy daughter dances were weird or thought calling a daddy daughter night out a date was was odd so um i i i've kind of spoke on this a little bit in the hall of dogma so what do you guys what are some thoughts you guys have chiming well, that's, in that's a good question there rev um i've got four daughters that's a lot one of them is a teenager um, I have not followed the post in the Hall of Dogma as well as I should, so I'm not in particular personalizing my disagreement or agreement with you. I think this is a little bit on the odd sort of creep not, – not quite creepy, but uh, daddy-daughter dates. Uh, you know, I, I think the large majority of mankind – kind of thinks of a date as a romantic interaction between two people. And that sort of thing really has no place in a daddy-daughter relationship. So I and 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 dads taking their daughters to dance um I, I certainly could not particularly condemn that. It's a bit it's a bit odd. Um, but you know, it's I, I'm 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 I guess I'm more in favor of that than the whole daddy daughter date thing. I just wonder what what sort of thing we're communicating there. Um, I don't know. You know, love. What sort of love? I mean, <clears throat> this, I about to, this is about to be this is about us. to be Creflo all over again. Oh yeah. Uh, you, yeah. So you're in favor of these things? I, I think it's a ridiculous. I think it's a ridiculous thing to even be discussing personally. I mean, I, I think it's. Uh, I have. You think I have the three daughters? You've brought to the show is a ridiculous <laughs> thing to be discussing. Well, that's interesting. That's interesting, isn't it? Yeah. No, this segment is all about the hall. This is about the hall. No, I, I think it's. I have three daughters. We intentionally have, quote unquote, dates um, each month we have outings with our kids each month so each month i have i take one of the kids out allison takes one of the kids out and so we rotate that so that each month one child gets some one-on-one -on -one time with us and we go and do what they want to do that night we have a little bit of a budget that we put together so they can choose what is done that night 
um, or that afternoon. And, and most of the time they pick a movie or they pick going bowling or they pick going to, um, yeah, you know, I don't know, Chuck E. Cheese or something like that, whatever. And so it, it's just kind of their night to just be with one of us and get that one-on-one attention. And it's something that's, you know, we enjoy and, and I'll try to use it to have some meaningful conversations. Um, I don't intentionally call it our date, but my daughters have referred to it that way before. And I don't have any issue with that. I mean, it's, it's, it blows my mind. Like, I think that's only weird if you make it weird. A date can mean, I mean, at, at the core, a date's just an outing with someone or an appointment with someone. You know, I have a date with my doctor in a couple of weeks. I mean, it's just it's just language and usage. But well, let me let me ask a clarifying question that might help shed some light on my slight amount of creeped outness with this. And again, it's only slight. I, I would never correct anybody using it. I would never have a huge issue with it. But here's my question that I think will clarify: When you take your son out, do you call it a daddy son date? Uh, no, he Why usually. Not? I don't call it that anyway. I don't call it that with my daughters. I'm saying my daughters have often referred to it like that, and I don't correct them and say, "Well, sure." And I, 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 I don't, don't call that. I, I don't my son always... usually calls it his day. <laughs> Why, what what are we going to do on my day? Calling such a thing a daddy son date or a mommy daughter date. I see where you're going with that. Um, I don't. You know, if my son said, "Hey, daddy, where are we going on our date?" I, I don't know that I would sit him down and go, well, son, you know, a date is something that only a guy and a girl goes on. And I mean, he's eight years old. I just, I have grace there for the language of kids. I don't feel the need to correct them uh, when they use a, a term and I go, oh, that's, that term's being used in the wrong way. I get, I get your point. I see where you're going with it. I, I, I understand. I, I would probably, you know, cede to you that that might bring something to my mind with my daughter, you know, daughter saying it does not. If my son said it, that might seem a little odd. So I just think the preponderance you that point. of the word usage in our country, at least, is is of the romantic sort of opposite sex sort of encounter. And it's just it's just an odd, I've always thought it was slightly odd. And I'll, I'll be I'm serious, slightly odd in the context of uh, daddy daughter, mommy son, or whatever. What, what's your take there, Nicholas? Um, I'm I'm kind of just taking the this discussion and kind of listening to it, and I, I I skimmed the post in the Hall of Dogma. Um, church I was at before Agape did a um, daddy daughter evening. Um, I like know, that they had they had, and I can't remember if they called it a daddy daughter date or whatever. I can't remember what they called it, but um, it was um, almost like a mini prom or mini dance, whatever. But um, you know they. We were able to do pictures, and we had they served dinner, and um, there was a, a time for dancing and things like that. And this was when my oldest daughter was probably four, and you know I, I will I won't quibble over the verbiage with anyone. Um, you know I, I you know I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go that battle. Um, the relationship, my so here's where I'm gonna go a little bit different road the the relationship my son has with my mother my, his mother my wife um and my mom <laughs> sorry that went weird <laughs> Wait, um what yeah just chalk that up to verbal whatever but the relationship seth and his his mom have um i expect it to always be different um you know i, I think 
um, men's roles in terms of their their relationships with women are just different in terms of um, how we should be um, in mind to protect and care for and, and, and things like that. Um, so that is is just different. Obviously, um, Lisa and Seth have things they do, just the two of them. Um, with my girls, um, call it a date, call it a dance, call it whatever you want. Um, I, w- I want them two things. I want them to have no question how they should be treated when the time comes and a young man comes to yeah. try to yeah. um, pursue them for not a relationship, not a prom date, for a spouse. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to too far down the, the dating road, but um, the option of dating is just not in, in my vocabulary for my daughters. Um, and so with that, I, when that time comes, I absolutely want them to know how they should be treated in terms of respect and time and, and things like that. Um, and so, you know, that happens partially by them watching me with their mother, but I also want them to have times when it's just me. Um, the other thing is I want my daughters until they are ready to pursue marriage to never need the attention of a guy because need being the key word need because they, they always have the attention they need for me. Now there will come a time in life where there is an attention that I cannot facilitate, but there are so many situations where any attention is sought from a a man, a, a, a boy in most cases. And I just want that to never be the case. So call it a date, call it an evening, call it whatever you want. I will absolutely make a priority to spend one-on-one time with my daughters. That's more than just, you know, playing Xbox. It can be playing Xbox. It can be going out to dinner. It can be a nice dinner, whatever. Take her to the ballet, something like I would do with her mom. Well, and and that, that I think sense? that, yes, that's, and, and that's, you know, I, I don't, I'm honestly very puzzled by now. I think there's points of prefer, uh, points of reference that people have that maybe I don't. And my understanding is there's some organizations out there that really promote kind of a, um, and I think uh, Desiree Johnson in the Hall of Dogma, maybe Ra- Rachel Cathy talked about some of these organizations. They kind of promote this idea that, you know, a daughter is married to her father until that day that she's, you know, ready to be married to someone else. What? and. Yeah, and they, I know why that language creeps people out. They'll do like out. a. They'll do like. Well, I know a, why it creeps people out too. They'll do like it's a. Crazy. They'll do like a ceremony between the dad and the daughter, and have rings and stuff, and then and then, you know, that symbolized that that's who you're with until I'm it's time after to. Dick. So I comment on that. So well, I just want to take a quick poll. Who did, did anybody's church do <clears> the true love waits purity ring ceremony stuff when y'all were in youth? Uh, mine did uh, not, but I wasn't in church. Okay, when I, I was a youth. probably did way back okay. in the day. That that it, it's along that can go really creepy. That reminds me a lot. It's of along the those true lines. Love and, and look, it, that sounds creepy. It sounds creepy. And, and and I, if that's your point of reference when it comes to daddy daughter dates or daddy daughter dances, then I get that. I can say, ah, oh, okay, that seems way out there. That's well, look, what you, you were. Could, yeah. On. Well, uh, you could do that kind of stuff, but don't call that Christian. There's no teaching in the Bible that. You're married to your dad until your dad gives you to somebody else to be married to. That's a little – and look, there's, there's, there's people probably – What about the that, verbiage that they are responsible for them? 
I mean, well, sure. I I've got four daughters. I'm responsible for. I'm not married to them. Yeah, that I'm trying to make it better. And I some, can't. Some even of, my contrarian. Well, and, and I don't look. I'm not. <laughs> again, I think we're all on the same page there. And I don't know the full. I've never been around it. I, I was just reading it in the Hall of Dogma. The con. The. Uh, the context of what yeah, the discussion so was. So, but but here's my point. I I don't think that kind of craziness, if you will, um, needs to negate. You know, again, I I have I have a I have a I'm sure I'm gonna get looks on this. I have a mom who has. <laughs> well, you have a mom. I do. Wow. Can you y'all believe that? Some looks on that. I have a mom who has been. Uh, my dad died, and, and she divorced a uh, second uh, she was divorced from a second husband so she's been alone for a couple of decades and you know i could if my mom was healthy enough which she's not but if i were to call her up and say hey mom i want to take you out on a date friday night um get dressed up i'm going to take you out we're going to go to a really nice restaurant and we're going to go spend the evening together you know what i don't have a problem in the world with it like there's no there's no grid that i have that's going to turn that into something romantic or anything inappropriate neither would it with my mom it would be simply just somebody a son calling the mom up and saying hey i want to i want to do something for you i want to take you out on a date i just wouldn't call it a date but why it's just because that's that's a different so you can't have meaning (laughs) but you can't you can't look past i mean there are certain things in a date i mean i don't know what kind of i mean like not every date has not every date has Oh boy! Oh, I'm like, no, I'm, not every date has making out and ending up in bed together. I mean, there's. What, can I not say that? I mean, I'm just. No, I, I wouldn't say that in this context. Well, I'm saying you can. <laughs> no, you can, he's saying. I'm saying. I know. I know. You I can know. take Don't someone on. There, there are components of a date. There are components of of going out with another individual and and having a nice meal together. Yes. And something and enjoying each other's company. Yes. Okay. So it has nothing to do with romance. I agree with that. And there is a uh, there's a definite um, the, one of the top definitions of the word date is a social engagement. I just I would not say David, let's grab some lunch this week and we'll call it a date. Uh, I wouldn't say I'm going to take <laughs> you out on a date. I wouldn't say that to my mom. Look, Kyle Snitgo posts something in this thread that I'm reading through. He says I took my six-year-old to a daddy-daughter dinner dance. This wasn't an organization that sets him up on a continual loop. It was a night of dinner and having fun with my little girl. They talked to the dads about being the best father you can be and to the daughters about being the best daughter she can. It was a great night and she loved it. And when she goes, Daddy, that was the most fun I ever had with you, it kind of melts your heart. That sounds great to me. Except you hate it because it was called a no, date. I didn't say I hate it. You're manufacturing no controversy. I'm being, uh, <laughs> wow. I'm, wow. I'm being fairly... Uh, not too passionate I, about this. This is not Creflo to me. This is just. I, I would have. Let's adjust our verbiage a little bit. <laughs> and again, I, I would be surprised knowing you. You're I, trying to touch me. I'm not. I'm pointing at you. It's a date to make a point. Okay. I would be surprised if your next to youngest daughter yes. said, "Hey, Daddy, could would you take me on a date Friday night?" I would be shocked to hear that you corrected her on her language. I just don't think you would do it. Mm. I don't think she you would. is such a sweet little thing. I don't I, know that I would do that. I don't know that I would correct her. I don't wow. think you, I don't think and that's my point is that it's not you know, I'm not it doesn't have I'm to not creepy. using that language, but if my daughters are using that language, I'm okay with it. It's not creepy to me. Doesn't have to be creepy and the dances, you know what? I would absolutely take my daughter to a dance with my daughter at 
um, a wedding recently. Mm-hmm. I tried to dance with my older two daughters, and they didn't want anything to do with it. Uh, so, but I danced with my youngest daughter. She had a blast. I would take her to a dance if she wanted to go to one. No issues there. I do not condemn you for such loving <laughs> fatherhood. Look, you tell you what, you really want to get into a debate with me? Yep. Well, we can do the Mason topic, perhaps. That that would uh, generate I some bet, heat. I bet oh, we we're can't out of tonight. Time. I no. bet we but can't there, look, tonight. There was a, just throwing, scrolling through, there's a lot of good stuff in here, man. Uh, the Mason topic. The Ursula Christ said, note to self, if David says, let's go grab a bite to eat, refuse the offer of the date. <laughs> exactly. There nice. you go. Um, um, okay, so yeah, there, and we're not even going to get to the unspoken prayer request. Clint Epperson, six ridiculous lies you believe about the founding of America. What a fascinating sounding article! You should Herschel's, check out the Hall of Dogma sometime, Chase. Oh, well, look, it's been a busy week, but I, I'm going to at some point I'm going to set the standard in the Hall of Dogma. Oh, True, I'm going boy. to break the record that the director set. Currently held by, uh, I don't know, was the director, it was whoever asked the, can we do a thread with just questions? No, 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 not that, not that record. I'm going to set the post in an hour uh, record. Awesome. Oh, no. I'm going to set the world on fire. Well, before, before we get out of here for episode 48, let's do a little listener feedback. Um, you can reach us in, in a variety of ways. We've mentioned all of Dogma a lot. Uh, people also contact us on Twitter at MyGospelFriends. On the Twitter, we heard from a non-church member this week who says, whispering, you guys are in my top three of all-time favorite podcast. We appreciate that, a non-church member. Good way to get a shout on the show is be complimentary to us. Yeah, and Specifically if, you tweet us, if you tweet us or send us a Facebook message or even follow us, it's a date. Dan White at D-A-J White said, uh, good podcast series, guys. You need a Super Friends-esque meanwhile at the Hall of Dogma voiceover for segment changes. Dan, you are the man. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's that rhymed. He's that, from Birmingham, by the way. I don't think – do you all know him? I don't. All right. Uh, Zach Probably Evans not. said, thanks for the podcast shout-out this week. That was on episode 47. Enjoyed the debate and discussions on baptism and church growth methods. We were talking about multi-site – Uh, versus um, just single pastor model and and planning churches. So um, good dialogue out on the Twitter this week. And uh, again, at My Gospel Friends out on Twitter. Also big uh, shout out to James Allen Heiser, J-M-Z Heiser, who tweeted us and said, finally current on the Gospel Friends podcast, listening to episode 47 late in the week. James has apparently went back and listened to every episode of the Gospel Friends. Utterly amazing. We should send him something. We should. Hey, James, <laughs> yeah, how right. about you message us your address, and uh, we'll sit on it for a while, and probably nothing will ever happen. But one day we may get a wild hair and send you something. I, we need to I, send something to Herschel, too, because he sent us a box of cereal. Uh, so, well, so with that kind of marathon yeah. listening, has he earned the right to listen to the beta episode? I was actually going to bring that issue up. Should we release it for like 24 hours or something in the hall? Or just send it to oh, We should do that episode 52. We should do that for our one-year anniversary. We release the beta. Okay. It's pretty bad. It's not like a prize or nothing. <laughs> it's, it's pretty bad. Fun. Hey, but if he's that much of a completionist, he's going to want to hear it. Well, James, maybe. for better or worse. James, send us your address. Seriously, message it. Uh, uh, send us an email. Um, the Gospel Friends. The Gospel at Friends at gmail.com. The gospel friends at gmail.com message us your address. We'll see if we can get you an autograph box of cereal out. Yeah. Did you see this uh, picture Jacob Ali posted in the, uh, of the man who won yeah, the lottery? I did. And then, his I girlfriend. To, then I had to repent. Yeah, that's a, that's a funny wow. picture. You got some um, 
shout outs for some people who gave us good reviews on iTunes, Jason. Yes. Corey Drummond, I don't know if we've mentioned you before, but you gave us a five star review. And uh, we sure do appreciate you, Corey. I think he also turned Daniel Lee onto the show. So thank you for that. Zach Evans uh, gave us a five star review and an entertaining way to sharpen your faith. I've only listened to a handful of podcasts so far, says Zach, but I could tell these guys take the Bible a whole lot more seriously than they take themselves. That is well, true. One thing we take seriously, Jacob Ali, I just mentioned him, five-star review. These guys are hysterical. What a nice thing to say. They love Jesus and each other. They disagree strongly at times, which makes it interesting. Well, I hope you had a little bit of interesting there on that debate. <laughs> uh, this is my favorite podcast I listen to. Wow. And I really like some others a lot. Thank you, Jacob. Great review. And the aforementioned James Heiser says that three months ago I stumbled across the Gospel Friends podcast. I listened to the first episode and have not looked back. Today I listened to episode 47. Bless you, sir. Uh, wow, that's like three months, 60-something hours of listening. That's that's pretty special that's there, James. Hope you're okay, brother. Awesome. Glad to hear from everybody. Thank you, guys. All right. Well, that's going to pretty much wrap us up for the day. Um, obviously, the contact info has been throughout the show. Um, thegospelfriends.com is the place for it all. So uh, we'll have show notes with links to um, the different articles we talk about. Obviously, Tony's contact info will be there as well. If you want to contact us any – I'm not talking. You're not talking. What's happening? Uh, this is Nick. Oh, this is okay. the part of the show I get to contribute to. My bad. Sorry, dude. Nick's the voiceover for the uh, outros. <sighs> oh, yeah. Sorry. This is pre-recorded anyway. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, check us out at thegospelfriends.com where you'll have all, all the info you need there. Um, that's going to wrap us up for this week, so tune in next week when you may hear David say. Man, episode 48 was good, guys. Mm. <laughs> Creepy. <laughs> All right, great segment there with Tony. Mm. Uh, very appreciative of him coming on the podcast today. Um, <laughs> that was a grunt of approval. <laughs> mm. Mm. Tony. <laughs> Move we, on. We are an embarrassment to our profession. <laughs> Tony. Mm. <laughs> Oh boy! <laughs> you sound like I don't know one of those guys off Deliverance. <laughs> <laughs> Where's the Tabasco? Yeah, we need to get saved.
Okay. All right. Uh-oh. I'm going oh, to come back in and talk about... That was a good segment. Could you not make any grunting noises in the microphone, please? I will try to refrain. Uh, okay, here we go. All right, great. All right, great segment with Tony. We appreciate him coming on. Yes. <laughs> oh, for the love of God. A fine segment indeed. <laughs> One of our best ever. (laughs) And very serious. (laughs) Somebody else do it. I'm waiting. I will, but now I need Chase to pull this down because he's going to be distracted. It's time delayed. Uh, It it is... This is not working. It's time delayed. How? Here we go. Does it like mess with space time continuum? It's wild. All right. Three, two, one. Brought to you this week by rechargeable batteries. Welcome in to episode 48 of The Gospel Friends. I am Reverend Verbage. Why? Why what? You will never figure out the pathway back to that reference. I don't want to have some to. help. I don't want to have to. This is where the other people of the podcast introduce themselves. I'm Chase, the guy you've been waiting for. <laughs> Wait a minute. I'm Nick, Wait, the guy who's still waiting that, that for. That sounded a little arrogant. Can that I sound like, that? That sounded like me playing the role this week of Reverend Verbage. Yeah, Captain oh, Crunchy. That's what I was doing. That was I was imitating you. That was the open guys. So like it or lump it, that was it. 48 is the atomic number of cadmium, which is a key component in nickel cadmium batteries. Yeah. Boom. You genius. I am. You got us again. I did. I used my vast knowledge and experience in chemistry to pull that one out (laughs) for all of the fans. You Googled fun facts about the number 48. Shut up. Yes, That's a great thing to pull out for this podcast. <laughs> Welcome into episode 48. We're about to get into some serious content in just a moment. Oh, yeah. Uh, we have coming up on the show today guest host Tony Vance. I'm going to go uh, ahead and predict that that's going to be the best part of the show. You think so? I do. I think it's going to be a great interview. Awesome. I just have a sense that it was astounding. I mean, it will be astounding. It will be astounding. Yep. We're also going to talk uh, this week. We have a couple of uh, have a hall monitor segment where we're going to talk, look at some topics from the Hall of Dogma, our Facebook community group, which you can reach at hallofdogma.com. And we had a couple of controversial Do you topics. Think people can see my guns like this? No. Oh, dang. Mainly because <laughs> it would be like. Me asking if people could see my abs. Well, your your abs are hidden. My guns were like right there for all to see. Yeah. Um, there was a request this week that I show my guns on the show. Really? From who? I can't say. They wanted it to be anonymous. Was it, wasn't, it wasn't your wife because she doesn't even listen. No, nah, she the doesn't show. listen to the show. Was there also a request to listen to the YouTube videos you're watching? Yeah. What? I'm not listening to YouTube videos. Somebody is. That's you. Yeah, that's coming from you, buddy. So, 
Uh, in your face. Hallofdogma.com, the uh, Facebook group, Hall of Dogma. A couple of controversial topics, perhaps, this week. There's been a lot this hey, week. Hey, so funny story. You know what that actually is? What? That's Nathan. Oh, so hey, he's, Nathan. Just, he's just not muted right now. Yeah. Yeah. Are we going to re-record this? Cause this, this is, is hilarious. This is not good. That's your call. All right, let's just start over. <laughs> the whole thing? Yeah. In fairness, in fairness. We burned 20 minutes early, and that was three and a half. So I think, <clears throat> all things considered. All right, here we go. Three, two. Hey, we did not. We did. We were a little slow getting the content. <sighs> that was let's funny just, because I really because it, it sounded like it was show. over there. No, it straight up, like it was over there. Nathan had joined the chat. Okay, so, hey Nathan. Anyway, sorry about that. Sorry, Nathan. You're now muted. The Goodbye. lost three, beginning. This is be the first beginning we've actually thrown out. Is it? Oh, hey, by the way, Nathan, you dropped off earlier, but I just want to uh, make you aware that Nick and Chase are trying to figure out what to do with the money that you sent them. Nick said he sent it back, and Chase said he was going to give it to charity. I just want you to know that— I might have sent it back. I might send it back to him. The money that you sent me went to my bank account, and I bought lunch with it. That figures. If you send me money, I will spend it. Also figures. Public service announcement, PSA. Speaking of that, how'd your test go? I got a two. <laughs> That's pretty good, right? I'm just kidding. <laughs> Nick doesn't know if we're serious right now. He's not old enough to He's know what PSA, PSA is. is. Prostrate. Seven fifteen. We need I'm, to be done at I eight. Here we go. Three, two. I'm a little afraid of that. I don't think you need. You're not the age I'm to. Forty two. It's pretty old. But you don't need a PS two. Have you ever had that done? No. Oh, well, you're forty two. Don't tell me when I'm forty. I'm I'm overdue. I thought it was like mid forties. I hope so. Maybe that's right. Because I ain't ready. <clears throat> <laughs> Look, this has got to be in the show. This is podcast. Put this, gold at, the, right put here. this at the end. <laughs> I haven't been recording. Outro. There was a point I stopped recording. Okay, that was probably wise. You Three, might want to start recording two, though. I have. Okay. Hey, y'all have to act surprised to my. Yeah. Okay. 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 <laughs> I'm ready. Okay. Three. Brought to you this week by Rechargeable Batteries. Holy cow! Are you serious? <laughs> oh, wait. That's a little overdue. Okay. Let's, let's try again. Okay. So, excuse, I'm going to punch you both in the face. <laughs> that, 